You must come with oh, me. Oh, I see. Tommy. After we've had a little chat. Chris Song will be waiting. No, no, just wait. Nobody seems to want to listen to me, and everyone is jumping to the wrong conclusions. Now, you seem to be a, a reasonable sort of chap. What's going on here? We are besieged. The Yeti have turned upon us. Uh, at least that is what we thought until... Until I turned up. everyone, and thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Mac. And I'm Caleb. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And today, we are going to be listening to The Abominable Snowmen. The Abominable Snowmen was written by Mervyn Haseman and Henry Lincoln. It was directed by Gerald Blake and produced by Eines Lloyd. And it also aired September 30th, 1967, to November 4th, 1967. Caleb, I have good news and bad news. Uh Uh-oh. The bad news is that this episode and the next episode are both audio. The good news Uh... is that we have, like, a dozen episodes that are video, and then one more audio... And that audio is the last one. Okay. Light, light at the end light of the Light at the end of the tunnel. We're almost there. We got this. Come on. <laughs> My God. Like, it's kind of crazy just how much of, like, Patrick Troughton's doctor is just gone. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's absolutely crazy. Um, I think it says a lot about Patrick Troughton's doctor, however, that despite the fact that so much of it was missing, he still ended up being my favorite doctor. <laughs> yeah. Any pre-watch trivia? Nothing... At the moment, I do have some post-watch trivia, but uh, we'll save that for later, because this one does introduce an recurring enemy? And an enemy that shows up again. Caleb, given everything you know about Doctor Who, and given the title of this episode, The Abominable Snowmen, what do you think this episode is going to be about? Fuck, I already used my Uncharted 2 reference then. (laughs) Yeah, you did. (laughs) Damn it. Uh, this episode is going to be about, I mean, I don't know, they get trapped in the Himalayas, and there's abominable snowmen and yetis. Uh, it's everything I thought Marco Polo was going to be about. <laughs> so just copy and paste whatever you said for Marco Polo. Yeah, whatever I said about Marco Polo, that's what this episode's going to be. Which, if I recall correctly, was just copy and paste Uncharted the plot of Uncharted 2. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. I'm playing the Uncharted series again, so it's on my mind. Well, I mean, this one we know definitely involves yetis. So, like, there's a chance that it might be closer. <laughs> I love and hate this trend in the new Doctor Who titles where it just tells us who the enemy is. And then we have to spend at least the first episode pretending we don't fucking know what it's going to be. Oh, yeah, get used to that. A lot of a lot of the uh, episode titles are just either the enemy or the place that they're at. I don't think it's really until New Who that they really, like, put titles on it. <laughs> like, say, for example, oh, I don't know, uh, Twice Upon a Time. It's the two doctors. <laughs> Further bad news, this one is six episodes long. 
Oh, God, Mac. Why? Because I hate you, Caleb. That's why. It's the whole reason we started this. Yeah, that is the main reason. And you're going to have to get used to that. Because it's a lot of sixes. Then two fives. Then an eight. And then a four. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, fine. So just just brace yourself. <laughs> oh, okay, I can do it. Okay. And on that note, we will see you all in the future. Let's get going. And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was over three weeks for us. Closer to a month, really. Oofa doofa. Uh, we need to, uh, I see the, the specter of being dangerously caught up looming over us. <laughs> we need to, we need to start cranking these bad boys out. <laughs> you mean, you mean we have to get this episode recorded and edited by Monday? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, um, <laughs> just a peek behind the curtain. It's Monday the 3rd now, and it's supposed to go up Monday the 10th. We've usually been about five episodes out through the run of the show so far. A little bit, but but uh, in our defense, I say that every fucking time, uh, September was hell for the both of us. Yeah, it was so, nuts. So, but October is free for the both of us, so we need to just... Boom, just start, boom, 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 boom. Just start bringing them out. Grant, didn't you say that it's a bunch of like longer stories after, from here on? Like, don't, feel, don't we have quite a few Sixers? Yeah, we have we have quite a few Sixers uh, in our immediate future, but next episode is going to audio one, and then we have nine video ones, and then we have the last audio. So I feel like we'll be able to get through things more if we're not dragging our heels through audio episodes. Yeah, I think that's been the biggest drag. It's not like either of us were super motivated to get through the audio episodes. It doesn't help, I mean, spoilers for our opinions here, that this one was fucking boring as shit. Yeah, wow. <laughs> okay, so another uh, look behind the curtain. We actually tried to record this yesterday, but we only got about as far in as you are now before technology shot us in the foot. We were both just like, oh my god, this was this was tough. And I was like, I barely remember anything that happened. And I was like, maybe I should just binge through it real quick since we're going to be doing it tomorrow instead and you were like no 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 no, don't bother with that just read the wiki and i was like okay so i so i read the wiki today at work um as someone who has read the wiki earlier today i do not remember what the fuck happened in this episode <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's something about this episode that just refuses to be memorable <laughs> you know what it is and this is going to be basically my final thoughts here so spoilers to that but uh it's basically the second doctor's galaxy four in yeah. my opinion it really just feels like we're going back and forth between a couple of locations without actually doing anything <laughs> mm -hmm. there's really there's really only like i mean they're all pretty limited sets but there's really only three locations in this whole story and mm -hmm. All of it is like the same conversation the whole time. Yeah. 
Um, right now, I have it ranked above the Highlanders for reasons I'll get into later. Who knows? By the end of this episode, I might be convinced to put it at the bottom. <laughs> I think I think overall, I mean, like, we'll get into that, I guess. But overall, I think it's above the Highlanders because despite everything this does wrong, I'd compare it more to the Web Planet. Like, this is the second Doctor's Web Planet because it introduces a villain that I think, in theory, is amazing. And this episode just absolutely fails to deliver on it and focuses on all the wrong things. Well, then you'll be happy to know you'll be happy to hear this post view trivia note. Uh, this episode marks the first appearance of the great intelligence. Excellent. <laughs> Meaning it will be back. Didn't the wiki say it's also the first introduction of the robot yetis, or is this the only time robot yetis are a thing? I don't remember. The Yetis might come back with the Great Intelligence. I guess the Great Intelligence has, like, an aesthetic, and it wants to stick to it. (laughs) And that aesthetic is Yetis. (laughs) Its aesthetic is Yetis. (laughs) It's a bold aesthetic, but it is. But, uh, I mean, I guess we've kind of... I was about to say, what are your general thoughts, but I guess we've kind of already touched on it. It's the Web Planet, but the Second Doctor. Which is funny, because, like, I ranked Galaxy 4 above Web Planet, so... Uh, me saying, ah, oh, it's like Galaxy 4, and then you going, no, 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 it's like Web Planet. I'm like, oh, God, that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's go ahead and dive in, shall we? Yeah, let's let's do it. I guess I'll read my stunning episode descriptions. Uh, and then I, I have an indication on here, too, of the one that the TARDIS wiki also thought was boring as fuck. So, but it's not this episode. <laughs> okay. Episode 1. The episode begins with two men talking. One of them says he and his friend were attacked by a strange monster. And suddenly said monster appears and the men run away. Enter the TARDIS and the doctor excitedly announces they are in the Himalayas. After getting bundled up and making a fuss about a bell, the doctor leaves to explore. As he heads toward a monastery in the valley, he notices giant footprints in the snow. The doctor returns and tells his companions to stay inside as he is sure they are being watched. Victoria and Jamie immediately ignore this. The doctor arrives at the monastery and is confronted by a group of men. One of them from before, Travers, accuses the doctor of killing his friend instead of the monster. The monks of the monastery send him to a cell. Jamie and Victoria follow the footprints to a cave, but they are trapped inside by a huge beast with nowhere else to go. They go deeper in the cave. Deep inside, they find a weird pyramid of silver orbs before a yeti pops out and attacks them. The episode starts with uh, screaming and then death, which gave a more hopeful start to me than the episode continued to sustain. It was immediate screaming and someone died because of a monster attack. I was like, okay, this episode's going to be awesome. And that was like the peak. (laughs) I agree it was the peak, but I think overall this episode is fine. This episode's fine. It's, It's the episode I have the most notes on, so that's probably a good thing the structure overall is like very akin to like the first doctor i don't know am i the only one that thinks there's like a very big distinction between the way the stories go in the second doctor versus the way they went with the first doctor 100 percent. i was actually reflecting on this the other day i was like we haven't really had like a bad episode like just flagrantly outright bad yeah like we've had boring we've had fine but we haven't had any like oh my 
God, this was awful episodes yet with the second Doctor. It's true. We haven't had a Romans or a Web Planet scenario. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even this one. I didn't really like it, but I wouldn't really classify it as, like, bad. Yeah, well, I'd say, well, I liked the Web Planet just a pinch more than you did. <laughs> I would say structurally it's very similar to the Web Planet, uh, and it has the same problem of great villain, bad execution. Mm-hmm. But that's really where the similarities end. There's a distinct difference in the way the stories are told with the second Doctor. And this one just feels like a first Doctor story. I can definitely see that. Just in the way, like, it it introduces something and then it just drags. And there's also, like, the cliffhangers of Victoria screaming, which are very Susan reminiscent. Yeah, you're right. Now that you you mention it, now that you really spell it out, this is very first Doctor-esque. Mm-hmm. Which kind of explains why I don't like it all that much. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But overall... I mean, like, I'm a, I'm a simple man at heart. You introduce a monster, I'm like, look, I'm sold, and, and as long as that monster delivers, we're fine. The problem is, is it doesn't really deliver. Yeah, very true. I do like how they're in the Himalayas, and Jamie doesn't really know what the Himalayas are. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Victoria, who is a much more learned person is like how do you not know what the himalayas are he's like i don't know that didn't really help me kill british people so i never really took much interest in it i guess base jamie <laughs> <laughs> but uh they're like putting on the coats and jamie is just like he doesn't need to he says i'm from the highlands the cold doesn't bother me and she's like there's a great deal of difference be- between the highlands and the himalayas he says i they're bigger <laughs> <laughs> jamie why are you so great? I love him. Um, and then uh, the doctor says, all right, you stay here and I'll go alone. And my sub note is, all right, everyone start your timers. <laughs> Let's see how long this lasts. I'm trying to think of like really anything else important that happens in this episode that I didn't describe. Uh, I will say that I, I kind of like that consistent character trait of A, Jamie being the one that listens to what the doctor says, and B, a woman implying that he has a small dick for listening to what the doctor <laughs> says. <laughs> because Victoria is like, all right, now he's gone. Let's go. Let's go explore. And Jamie's like, but the doctor told us to stay here. And Victoria's like, the doctor told us to stay here. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Jamie. Put on your coat. <laughs> and, then he, and then he says, oh, just a quick look then. My sub note is, he says in the first of six episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the character Travers a little bit. Not because he's good, but because he's unhinged from the start. He's unhinged from the start, and I think, spoilers for the end of this episode, the biggest plot twist of this entire episode is not the fact that they had to deal with an uh, Lovecraftian god who's controlling robot yetis but the fact that travers survives to the end yes i agree (laughs) i was making bets with myself i was like i'm gonna say episode five i think episode five is when travers dies (laughs) travers just continually continues to fail upward (laughs) throughout this arc and it's kind of amazing to watch even after he has like a very like severe minecraftian love break or love break mind break Nobody kills him. Yeah. It is honestly the biggest plot twist. <laughs> actually, this is getting ahead of ourselves, but his Lovecraftian mind break actually solves the problem. It does. 
And then Victoria and Jamie go outside and they see the Yeti footprints. And Victoria's like, I want to find out what made these footprints, don't you? And I was like, no! What? No, that's stupid! <laughs> oh, oh, suddenly Max lost his taste for adventure. Oh no, I'm fine with adventure. It's, hey, there's a giant vicious monster that way. Let's go poke it with a stick. <laughs> that's where I draw the line. <laughs> Mac is down for reasonable adventures, like genocide. <laughs> yes. And getting involved in civil wars that aren't our business. <laughs> and then, strangely enough... They they follow the footprints, and then they go to the cave, and they see that there are man-made structures inside the cave. And suddenly, now that they know they're dealing with a person, Victoria's like, mm, let's go back. And Jamie's like, ah, oh, no, a person. I can take a person. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and they just flip. <laughs> then the doctor is immediately thrown in prison. Mm-hmm. They're just... <laughs> They're just like, he he comes in and Travers is like, I think you killed my friend. And he's like, what are you talking about? I just got here. And he's like, well, I thought a monster did it, but your coat is awfully big and furry. Maybe it was you. It's very, it's very Phoenix Wright. Well, I don't have any proof that you didn't kill my friend. So I'm going to say you did it. <laughs> and the monks are like, his coat is big and furry. Then I think at one point they throw him in prison and one of the monks is like, hey, maybe he didn't attack Travers, Travers' companion. And then another monk was like, they're both Englishmen. Why would Travers lie? I'm like, what? <laughs> what? What kind of logic is that? <laughs> I don't know. I can see British people being smug enough to think, ah, oh, you're British. You're probably fine. <laughs> the doctor finds out that Travers is, is he a journalist? Or is he yeah. a scientist? He's a journalist. He's like a journalist. Because he's trying to discover the Yetis in the Himalayas. And he's like, everyone called me mad for believing in the Yeti. But I believe I've staked my entire future and life on this endeavor. And the doctor was like, maybe it was the Yeti who attacked you. And Travers like, <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> okay, clarification. Travers is a journalist in the way that conspiracy theorists are like vaccine experts. Travers is a journalist, but he doesn't really specify who he works for. I'm assuming it's, like, a National Enquirer type yeah. place. <laughs> and then the doctor makes the very valid point of whoever killed your friend had to have had enormous strength. Do I look like I could do that? And I'm like, yeah, look at his spindly little arms. And that stupid tie. <laughs> that stupid tie. <laughs> I was like, in what universe could a old man who has absolutely no physical ability, be able to overpower a young, strong person and knock him over a cliff. No, I will never get over Evil of the Daleks. It is still bullshit The Kimmel died. Uh, uh, that's so funny that you were referencing Kimmel. I thought you were talking about the Doctor's sword fight in the Romans. Also that. <laughs> <laughs> the show is constantly overestimating the strength of old men. And I hate it. Not as much as I hated the Romans, but... One of the monks who... We're just gonna let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. I was having a difficult time following this because a lot of the names were difficult for me to really wrap my head around. I called this guy Chris because I know his name <laughs> starts with the word Chris, but I don't remember what the rest of his name is. Uh, but he says that he's the chief warrior, and I was like, I already distrust you. You're already a problem. 
<laughs> you're already at the top of my shit list. I don't know what villainous scheme is happening right now, but you're probably behind it. He's not, but that was my first instinct. <laughs> well, you know, the cops are usually the bad guys. Yeah. So it's a second instinct Mac has developed. Uh, yeah, I had a similar issue. I didn't write down any of the monks' names in the descriptions just because when I was listening to it, I was having a hard time remembering who was who, period. And then mm-hmm. I read the wiki to write the episode descriptions, and just reading the wiki, I forgot who was who and who was aligned with who. And there's just, there's a lot of monks in this episode. There are a lot of monks in this episode, which makes sense. It's set in a Tibetan monastery, so it'd be weird if there wasn't a lot of monks. But, but there's a lot of named monks who do very specific things. Yeah, there's the like the the chief warrior. There's the young guy who clearly hasn't seen a woman in several years. There's the abbot. And then there's a guy that I didn't realize until like halfway through the fourth episode was supposed to be a monk. I thought <laughs> that he was, he was like the great intelligence. We just didn't see him, but like, no, that's actually, it's actually a person. Oh shit. Okay. Uh, well then fuck. I don't know what's happening now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very confused. <laughs> there are four named monks and I thought there were three. And so now I'm very confused. <laughs> Yeah, the guy Mac is referencing, he's like the, um, it's like the abbot of the monastery. Is that what it is? No, he's not the abbot. That's what I thought. But it's the abbot, and then there's like the old master who's lived for hundreds of years, and who right, right, the right, abbot right. answers to. That's who I'm talking about. I thought right, that right, right, guy right, right, who right. lived for hundreds of years. I thought that was just like the disembodied voice of the great intelligence. Yeah, because I thought that too when I was listening to it, and then I, you know, the description and then the way the episode goes. Yeah. Because he speaks very differently than the monks. The monks just sound like dudes, right? Yeah. And then this guy talks, and he speaks in a really evil, raspy voice. Not only that, but he speaks in a very slow and deliberate evil voice. And... I make a note later. I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. Is there any way I can do a time and a half just for this guy? Because (laughs) he is taking fucking forever and taking up like half the runtime. Apple, you're the richest company in the world. (laughs) Develop an AI for your books app so we can have specific voices go faster than the others. Get on it. Get on it or we will boycott your platform. (laughs) That will be a big deal to you. And Apple's like, ooh. Ooh, real scared. My last note is... Yeah, Victoria's scream was loud, but it's somehow not as ear-piercing as Susan's, so I don't mind it as much, and it's amazing what conditioning will do for you. <laughs> it's true, because uh, I thought that too, I was like, wow, Victoria screamed, I was like, it wasn't that bad though. Yeah, yeah, it was fine. I even listened to this with headphones. When you've been stabbed in the face several times, suddenly a punch is no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got no more notes. Yeah, yep. same. Episode 2. Jamie and Victoria cause a cave-in and yeet themselves out of there with one of the weird orbs. They head toward the monastery. The monks reveal they will use the doctor as bait. The yeti will either come and save him, proving he is a conspirator, or kill him, proving he wasn't. It's classic witch hunt style. One of the monks speaks with the master of the monastery, who seems to know the doctor quite well. He fears the doctor will interfere with the great plan. Travers finds Jamie and Victoria and brings them back to the monastery. There, they learn the doctors to be freed and sent away. 
Jamie shows him the orb, and the doctor wishes to see a yeti up close. Wishes do come true, as three of them head toward the monastery. After trapping one of them, it immediately dies. The doctor thinks it's some kind of robot. In another part of the monastery, the orb comes to life and moves on its own. At the very top of this episode, it shows <clears throat> the doctor in his in his cell, and he's playing on the recorder. And my note is, Caleb is going to be annoyed by the recorder. I, meanwhile, will love every second of it. <laughs> it was fine. I can handle it. I, I think the recorder is more annoying. I can totally understand. It's like, yeah, I'm bored, and I'm passing the time by playing the recorder. And not, uh, wow, one of my companions just got kidnapped and people are dying. Let me play this recorder for a little bit. I would actually love the recorder more if he played it at more inappropriate times. Is this the episode where he hands over the bell? No, I think that's the next episode. Wait, no, it is this episode because that's why they free him. Yeah, because he's using the he's using the ancient bell as like a bargaining chip to kind of get him free. And in my personal opinion, showing up with, hey, you know that lost artifact that you haven't seen for 200 years? Here you go. That just seems more suspicious to me than anything else. Especially since the doctor wouldn't lie about it. So he's like, hey, like, here's this ancient... Oh, by the way, it's an ancient artifact he got from the last time he visited here. That's why the whatever guy knows who he is. He's like, hey, here's your missing artifact. They're like, wow. It's like, where'd you find it? It's like, oh, well, I took it. It was given to me by your master 200 years ago. Which the monks would honestly probably believe because they know they're, whatever his title is, they know he's hundreds of years old. Yeah. And it occurred to me because I was like, I wonder if he came to this temple as the first doctor or the second doctor. But like later he talks to him and he recognizes the doctor, which means he had to have come here at the second doctor. So he had to have come here with Ben and Polly because Jamie doesn't recognize this place at all. So it happens sometime between Power of the Daleks and Highlanders. This is a a, a nice little uh, puzzle <laughs> I sorted out instead of listening to this episode. <laughs> Sign up for the A Quick Trip Through Space and Time Patreon where you can read Max fanfiction about the adventures <laughs> between... <laughs> Just a side note. Uh, just for fun, I actually looked up, like, on AO3, I think it was, um, Second Doctor. I, I wanted to see what uh, fanfiction there was. There's a lot of uh, Second Doctor slash Jamie. Really? <laughs> Lots of. Just Good. a lot of it. <laughs> Good. I, I approve. That gets Caleb's seal of approval. <laughs> Not only does I get my seal of approval as fanfiction, that's canon. <laughs> Every bit of it. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. There are some companions that knew who will imply that there was some sort of romantic chemistry between the doctor and this companion that I don't really buy, but knew who is really trying to push it. Mm -hmm. Jamie, meanwhile, I 100% buy. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to like the middle of the episode, really. But um, at one point after Jamie and Victoria escaped the cave, like they run into Travers mm -hmm. and Travers kind of confesses that like, Hey, like I got your friend, the doctor arrested and I feel kind of bad about it. I'm thinking maybe he didn't do it. And that really pissed me off. Cause I don't remember any kind of motivation for him changing his mind. Yeah. I can't think of any, I'm trying to, but I don't remember it. That's it. 
I don't like it when characters just change their minds without some sort of motivation. No, that's fair. I totally get that. My main notes that happens in the middle is Jamie and Victoria are like winded because they escaped from the cave and they're trying to escape from the from the Yeti. And I'm like, have you seen the Yeti? They are hairy grimace. They are not very fast. You can just walk at like a brisk pace. You don't actually have to run that fast in order to get away from the Yeti. Yeah, you're kind of making a big deal out of nothing. Jamie, didn't you just like genocide all the dogs in the last episode? <laughs> yeah, but these are big hairy beasties. Yeah, but they don't have <laughs> guns. <laughs> I, I fucking love the way Jamie refers to everything as a beastie. <laughs> And then uh, at one point, Travers says, fear makes us imagine all sorts of things. And I said, yeah, like, say, for example, that Mo Howard killed your friend instead of an abominable snowman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Travers, you crazy ass bitch. If if it feels like we're jumping very far into the episode, it's because we are, because there's not a whole lot to talk about, unfortunately. Wait, wait until episode three. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, And then... They're free, and the Yetis are starting to approach the approach the monastery, and they're, like, getting ready for battle. And uh, Jamie comes up to the doctor, and he's like, Okay, doctor, I've got a plan. Now, all we have to do is... And then doctor's like, Uh, uh, Victoria, Victoria, come here, please. Um, I think discretion is probably the better part of valor. Jamie says he has an idea. I think we should go the other way. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, doctor. <laughs> And then my very last note of this episode is these first two episodes could have easily been combined into one. Mm-hmm. Oh, hands down. I'm sure there are probably episodes that we could point to and say that one could have been like two or three episodes shorter, more so than this one. But I'm having difficulty really thinking of one that isn't just, man, this six-parter easily could have been at most four yeah, it needed some serious cutting. Some serious cutting. The The end of this episode has, like, the sphere, like, beeping or glowing or something and, like, rolling towards the dead Yeti. I was like, this feels like the halfway point cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. But we're only a third of the way in. <laughs> yeah, speaking of cuts, let's get to episode three. <laughs> Man, editing this is going to be so fucking easy. Yeah, I know. Well, honestly, like, this episode's going to be pretty short, but, like, you need a break. The past two episodes have been, like, 140 and then two hours. Yeah, the last episode was two hours because we had four people on it, so it was a bitch and a half to edit. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll t- I'll take this vacation. It's fine. <laughs> Anyways, episode three, the episode that TARDIS Wiki also thought was boring as fuck, and I'll explain <laughs> why when I'm done reading it. Travers thinks there are real yetis, who may be scared of the robot ones. The sentient ore moves toward the downed yeti. The doctor and Jamie head back to the TARDIS to get some equipment to look for it, and the doctor believes the yetis are controlled by someone else. The orb arrives at the downed yeti and revives it, and it quickly attacks Victoria and the other monks. <laughs> oh god damn it you're right <laughs> oh fuck i was reading over my notes i was like oh man i hope he gives me something to work with because i really don't remember oh shit he's done oh fuck okay um <laughs> this episode takes four fucking ever to do 
nothing. And the reason I say Tarts Wiki also thought it was boring was when I went to do my description, Tarts Wiki's was also two paragraphs long describing how long this episode was and everything that happened in it. I had to try and not plagiarize Tarts Wiki describing <laughs> what happened in this episode. Yeah. I have the note that Chris is pretty goddamn bloodthirsty for a Tibetan monk. Mm-hmm. I also have the note that Victoria is explicitly told not to go into the inner sanctum, but Victoria is just like, your religion is a hollow lie. I go where I want. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually goes into the sanctum. But uh, but it is a lot of them standing around being like, boy, these yetis sure are weird. I I hope there aren't real yetis who are scared of the robot ones. And the doctor's like, oh, I think these yetis are controlled by someone else. Jamie, let's go to the TARDIS. And then there's just this beeping rolling ball the whole time. And then nothing happens until it attacks Victoria. And then it cuts over to the great intelligence talking and he's and it's just. In my note here, this is where I talk about how I wish I could fast forward through only the Great Intelligence's dialogue, because he reminds me of the sloth from Zootopia. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what his name actually is, but he's written as Tonby in my notes. He's, like, basically put in charge of guarding Victoria, and he keeps leaving her alone because she asks. And I'm like, Tonby, I know you probably haven't seen a human woman in, like, 10 years or so but like stop being such a fucking idiot and stop leaving her alone because <laughs> she's gonna get up to shit <laughs> you're supposed to guard her tombi you have one job and then uh my second to last note is now that was a scream because <laughs> yeah. the yeti rises up and like starts advancing on victoria and she lets out a scream and i was like that's a good one. That was a good scream. I could feel the catharsis coming out in that scream. She really let us have it. And then my last note is, feels like not a whole hell of a lot happened here. Because it didn't. And this is, again, why it's a very first Doctor Sto- episode. <clears throat> so I hope everyone enjoyed uh, the two-hour-long episode we got last week. Uh, because <laughs> this one's not going to be that. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Episode four. The Yeti fights the monks and escapes the monastery. Jamie and the doctor find another Yeti standing guard over the TARDIS. The leader of the monastery, who I'm calling Pad Guy because I'm not typing his name out, communes with something called the Great Intelligence. Travers watches as one of the monks puts an orb back in its place at the Weird Pyramid and it begins to emit an eerie light. Many of the monks start fighting, believing some of them are traitors, conspiring with whoever controls the Yetis. A signal goes out, summoning all the Yetis. Pad Guy's plan seems to be working, and his great intelligence is taking corporeal form. The Doctor and Jamie are ambushed by yetis. When they flee and return to the monastery, they are arrested again. Victoria, who has been locked in a cell, manages to escape by locking one of the monks in as he brings her food. She makes her way to the inner sanctum, where she meets Pad Guy. I call him Paddy. <laughs> Paddy. Paddington. <laughs> Paddington Bear, who is possessed by the great intelligence. Which is honestly an infinitely more fucking terrifying idea than everything that happens in this episode. Oh, uh, uh, yes. Now I want to see it. <laughs> so the Yeti comes back to comes to life uh, at the beginning of the episode and is like not even rampaging through the monastery. It's literally just trying to leave and everybody else is trying to attack it and it and it just like retaliates. 
I'm like, guys, just stay out of the way. It's just leaving. Calm down. And I think Tanbi is like, it's like, yeah. And so opens up the gate just for it to just like waddle through. And then uh, Chris is like berating him for being a coward. And I'm like, no, no, he figured it out. <laughs> just let the robot Yeti leave. They're putting like spears into the got into the fucking Yeti and it's not reacting. So I'm like, eh, maybe the warrior monks can s- sit this one out just for a little bit. <laughs> Also, my next note is me realizing Grimace. That's what the Yetis remind me of. Then we're at uh, at the TARDIS, and one of the Yetis is just like guarding the TARDIS. And this exchange happens. Jamie says, "Have you thought up some clever plan?" And Doctor says, "Yes, Jamie, I believe I have." He says, "Well, what are you going to do?" He says, "Bung a rock at it." And it's a funny moment. But I would also like to remind everyone, again with the comparisons to Galaxy 4, that this was the exact same experimental strategy that Vicky used in Galaxy 4 to try and figure out what the Chumblies were capable of. And so I'm choosing to believe that the Doctor is like, hey, I have an idea that I learned from my friend Vicky. <laughs> I'm gonna throw a rock at it. <laughs> You're putting way too much thought into this, man. <laughs> I have to. Someone does. <laughs> Someone has to do it. <laughs> Uh, and then, spoiler alert, the Yeti in front of the TARDIS is just turned off. Yeah, it just turned off. It's in sleep mode. <laughs> <laughs> Angry. Who put it there? Who put it there and then turned it off? Because Patty has, like, these chess pieces that are, like, in the shape of in the shape of Yetis, and that's how he directs where they should be going. And so it's very strange that he's like, yes, I'm going to put this one to guard the TARDIS to make sure that the Doctor doesn't, doesn't interfere. And then he's like, eh, he doesn't actually have to, like guarded or anything uh, well we'll shut that one off we want to conserve power have you seen last month's bill my god don't be scared off by it being there it doesn't matter if it moves this is another one where it could have been this episode and the last episode could have been put together yes it could have been the same episode one and two could have combined and three and four could have combined yep and then we could have had five and six which still one is isn't that good but this is when I started doing the Pepe Silvia board, figuring out when specifically the doctor visited this monastery. Uh, and then my next note is the goddamn sick man routine. The classic. <laughs> Victoria. <laughs> She's already figured it out. Victoria is just like eating some food and then it's just like, oh, I don't feel so good. And it's like, Ugh! and then the monks. The stupid, stupid monks are like, oh my god, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, hold on, can I borrow, I think the only thing that'll make me feel better are those keys, can I see the keys? Thanks. Closes door, locks it. <laughs> bye bye boys. You will always remember this as the day that you almost caught Victoria Waterfield. I will say, I am surprised at how much I like Victoria as a companion. Right, she's getting better. Uh, she's definitely gone from, like, I will sit in this cell and cry the whole time to danger, adventure. Yeah. And then my last, second to last note is the goddamn Sigma routine. Last note is, maybe it's because of just how fucking slow the great intelligence speaks, but it's really, it really feels like this story is just dragging its feet. And that's all I got. And I'm really sorry. I wish I had more to say. I really do. But, like, I have other notes and none of them are relevant or interesting <laughs> yeah that's the struggle i have too it's just like 
there's not really that much to say. I mean, like, you're getting everything in my very bad descriptions of the episodes. Yeah. Uh, the only thing you're really missing is the fucking monks' names. And do you really care about that? I can't imagine anyone does. <laughs> we don't, and we're making this goddamn podcast. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to read episode five now. Victoria realizes Pad Guy is controlling the Yeti through mini Yeti figures on some kind of chessboard. Pad Guy wipes her mind. More Yeti show up to throw down at the monastery. Travers has gone full mind break and won't stop rambling about the pyramid. Pad Guy communes with the great intelligence, asking for a stop to all the violence. The beings want the doctor eliminated. They send Victoria in a trance to free the doctor. The doctor, now free, confronts Pad Guy, who is his old friend. Pad Guy says he met the great intelligence on the astral plane, like, you know, like you do. He admits the being used him to conduct strange experiments, and now he has lost control of the situation. The doctor returns to his friends, and Travers rambles more about the pyramid. Speaking of the pyramid, it appears to be growing stronger. My first note doesn't make any sense. My first note is, why is Victoria depending on this monk she's been suspicious of? I feel like she's lying, but I'm not entirely sure what the fuck I'm talking about there. Yeah, because I think the only person she's talking to is Pad Guy, and that's the first time she's seen him. That's true, because that's when she was like, your religion is a hollow lie, and goes into the, the inner sanctum and meets meets Patty. And he's like, hey, do you, re- do you remember me? She's like, kind of. He's like, no, you don't. <laughs> Hypnosis. <laughs> Hypnosis. Yeah, and then she goes into this like, weird, like, stoic trance yeah um i i stumbled over like describing the intelligence the great intelligence beings because like it vaguely implies that the great intelligence is like more than one thing but i wasn't sure it's like a hive mind thing yeah i think it i think it's supposed to be one of those creatures that's on the same level as the animus from web planet Mm -hmm. i think your your comparison is pretty on on the nose there um mac it's called the animus Oh, sorry. The Animus. I s- <laughs> I'm so sorry. As just like one of the elder gods. And so it was in the ethereal plane. And so when the monk like transcended to the ethereal plane, it was he was like, ooh, a gateway. Cool. I'm going to hitch a ride if that's all right. Yeah, which again, cool as fuck. So, so cool. Solid idea. Can't wait for them to do literally anything with it. I'm, I'll am i bet that'll be amazing. <laughs> I bet that'll be amazing in like 30 years. <laughs> and yeah, then my next note is just me being confused. I was like, so the monk isn't the great intelligence? I'm confused. Everyone's got weird names and all, and all of them have similar sounding voices. And I've completely lost track of who's doing what and why. Um... My third note is, shit, I'm halfway through the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, th- I think the conversation about, like, meeting on the astral plane, again, all very cool. It sounds like it's not so much that the great intelligence was controlling Pad Guy, but, like, very heavily influencing his thought processes. Yeah. At least that's the impression I got. Yeah, and keeping him alive. Yeah, and then, and then he realizes, you know, at the last moment, which is in the next episode, I think, that, you know... He was very heavily controlled by it. Is it this episode or the next episode that the Doctor finally confronts Patty? That would be the next episode, I think. So Okay. The only other thing I have to say is, like, so Travers has, like, had a mind break and is, like, going on and on about this glowing pyramid he saw. Uh, And everyone's like, yeah, okay, crazy guy. Shut the fuck up. The big boys are talking. 
And then at the end of this episode, the doctor's like, hey, wasn't that Trevor's guy saying something about a pyramid? <laughs> I have the note that the amount of hypnosis in the episode will probably make you mad. Yeah, I I can pass. I, I It worked for me because I can pass it off as like vague magic. What pisses me off is re- real hypnosis. <laughs> Air quote real hypnosis. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me mad. But if it's like, yeah, I'm some magic thing beyond your comprehension and uh, you forgot who I was. I was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And then my last note, because the the pyramid gaining in power is shown as like this weird glowing ooze, like seeping out of the pyramid and like making shape. And I was like, "Is okay, so is the ooze the great intelligence? <laughs> yeah, this is when it starts really going off the rails and everything starts getting really confusing. Because I was like, what's the great intelligence trying to do? Is it just trying to jizz all over the planet? I don't Are the orbs know. anal beads? The orbs might be anal beads. The great anal beads, as I will refer to them through the rest of this episode. Until Mervyn Hazeman and Henry Lincoln, the writers of this episode, contact us specifically and say, no, they were not anal beads. I'm going to assume they're anal beads. Cosmic anal beads. And they're probably dead, so what's canon now? Yeah, so, (laughs) fuck it. They're cosmic (laughs) anal beads. And nothing anyone ever says will be able to convince me otherwise. <laughs> Watch, Caleb. I, I can almost guarantee you. I'm going to, like, go online and find out that everyone thinks that this episode is, like, the best second Doctor episode. <laughs> That's, that is always how it fucking goes. <laughs> well, yeah, that is how it goes. And everyone's like, yeah, you know what was a piece of shit episode? The Power of the Daleks. Yeah. I didn't tell you about this, but I watched a YouTube video the other day of a guy who did the top 10 first Doctor episodes. Not only was the Dalek Invasion of Earth nowhere near his top 10, but the Romans was like number four. Oh, no. (laughs) I've got to go rage comment on that guy's video. And the the Planet of the Giants was also on his list. Yeah, Planet like, of Giants is like a middling episode. I can see how Planet of Giants like is it. fine. Top 10? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We have to go on tangents, otherwise we've got nothing to talk about. This is what you came here for. <laughs> you came here to listen to us ramble about cosmic anal beads. Alright, I'm reading the next episode now. Do it. Uh, Songston, a guy I have not named until this point, is possessed by the Great Intelligence, and he is arrested after trying to kill one of the other monks. Songston reveals the Great Intelligence's plan to control the whole mountain, and the Doctor plans to destroy all its equipment used to control the Yetis. Travers heads to the cave and finds the whole mountain covered in a strange substance. Padguy sends more Yetis to attack the monastery. Pad Guy and the Doctor throw down mentally, but Pad Guy, fueled by the GI as I'm calling it now, overpowers him. Jamie and a monk enter the control room during all of this and destroy the control. And destroy the con. God, I can't fucking say it. Destroy the controls. The Yeti immediately collapses. They also destroy the pyramid, which causes a huge rumble that leads to the mountain blowing up. In his last words to the Doctor, Pad Guy thanks him before disintegrating. Travers leads them back to the TARDIS, but gets distracted when he sees a real Yeti. The companions leave looking for somewhere warmer. I make the note that I feel like this episode could... Oh, by the way, uh, what was the name? Like, Songston? Songston, or something like that? Songston. That's the Abbot. The Abbot oh, okay. I was mentioning. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's some monk guy. He's like the leader of the temple, except not because Patty is the actual leader. So I guess Songson is like the middle management leader. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. He's the assistant manager of this Tibetan monastery. I feel like this episode could have been really good in terms of like not knowing who you can trust or brother turning against brother, like people who are loyal to the clearly possessed abbot or others who are willing to think for themselves. And it's like a like a battle starts fighting between people who consider themselves family, but now has to fight each other because of ideals. Uh, none of that happens, but I feel like it could have. <laughs> All of that shit need to happen like three episodes ago. Yeah, no shit. And then my second note is, oh no, I'm halfway through the episode again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it has the same problem that most of the audio dramas do. It just devolves into a lot of yelling at the end, and like you're listening, mm -hmm. and like I have no fucking idea what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of ends. And oh, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I will say that the way this ends and the way Travers just kind of doesn't become a companion is the is the best thing about the episode. The whole arc. <laughs> It's incredible. I don't remember who who said this. I didn't specify. So, but it, so it could have been uh, Jamie or it could have been uh, Tomby. But someone was like, "When we blow up the machine, what will happen?" And the doctor's like, "I haven't the faintest idea." Oh yeah, yeah. And then yeah, they yeah, keep yeah, going. Yeah. <laughs> who did say that? It doesn't matter. But yes, yeah, so the doctor does say, "I don't know. Let's just find out." I don't know, but it needs to be destroyed. So, at least one of us will regenerate into a new body. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but we gotta do something about all this cosmic jizz that's everywhere. <laughs> just nobody turn on a black light <laughs> then you'll realize that it's everywhere <laughs> it's ever oh god it's on the ceiling <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my next note is our perfect strategy jamie smash <laughs> i mean it's not much better than bad guys strategy of more yetis looks like we could use more yetis four yetis pretty good last time what if it was eight um and then um nowhere near the time that one chick sarah i think her name was disintegrated but we do get another sick di disintegration in this episode when do we get the disintegration honestly it's a whole it's a whole blur to me so after they like blow up the machines and stuff pad guy like loses his connection to the great intelligence or whatever mm -hmm. and he he fall I, I imagine as he falls into the doctor's arms very romantically and then he goes, thank you. And then just like Spider-Man Infinity War puffs in the dust. <laughs> That's true. Uh, fun fact, they actually shot a special effect that had that moment and Patty's wizened head was melting like something out of the Raiders of the Lost Ark as when he loses his connection to the Great Intelligence. Uh, but it was cut. Because of how fucking horrific it was. <laughs> well, that sounds cool as fuck. Right? And that's all I have. Now, you had something you wanted to say about the... Yeah, about so Travers... Travers' last moment. Travers leads the companions back to the TARDIS. And I'm listening to this one. I'm like, oh, God, is Travers going to be a companion? This is going to be really annoying. But then he goes... <gasps> Is that a real Yeti? And then basically just darts off <laughs> towards some other part of the mountain. I was like, incredible. Amazing character work. <laughs> he doesn't have to hang around and they have to explain. Yeah, no, this thing's going to disappear in a second. 
Duh, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. And then they're like, God, it's so fucking cold here. My ne- my prediction is the next episode will be on the surface of the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that in your pocket. <laughs> Should we move on to trivia? Oh, yeah. Give me the trivia. All right. The script did not at all describe what the fuck the Yetis were supposed to look like. So the costumers were just like, okay, uh, fuck, what do we have lying around? So um, <laughs> they tried to make it look bear-like with very thick fur, and the costume had like was like a bent bamboo frame to like give it a more rotund look, and was just filled with like a shit ton of ru- uh, foam rubber. So it's just like the actors in in the Yeti costume were just like. Eh. just like had to waddle in order to walk around uh which is funny because apparently while they were filming on these cliffs one of the actors fell a very very long way and they were legitimately worried he was dead but he wasn't because there was so much goddamn padding (laughs) (laughs) that it cushioned his fall that is incredible. <laughs> I think that's oh. the most incredible thing I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. Deborah Watling lists this as her favorite episode because her father plays Professor Travers. And she was like, it's really cool. I get to work with my dad. It's neat. Is that Victoria? Yeah. Okay. That's why this is her favorite episode, because she was like, hey, cool, dad's on set. That's awesome. <laughs> Yay, family. The production was delayed by two days because of just how much copious rain there was at the location, and it was just, like, fucking freezing cold. Like, Fraser Hines had leggings on, and then anytime he was on screen, he had, like, roll them up just slightly above his kilt line. <laughs> because gosh. it was just so fucking cold <laughs> god this show's fancy enough to film on location now right wow we're really moving up in the world i know so final thoughts forgettable very forgettable forgettable even for an audio drama yes i am confident in my place now after talking about it i am still having it as second worst behind highlanders I agree. I I still think it's better than Highlanders. At the very least, it introduces a villain I hope gets used better later. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the Highlanders, I mean, the Highlanders gave us Jamie, but Jamie didn't do anything in that episode. Yeah, that that's one of the main reasons why it's higher than Highlanders for me, because in Highlanders, Patrick Troughton was still like getting his sea legs as a doctor. He wasn't really the character yet. <laughs> He's on a boat for half that story. And, yeah, Jamie was introduced, but he was just kind of like a background character in Highlanders, so he wasn't really at his Jamiest. But this episode has Patrick Troughton firmly in his character, and Jamie being the himbo son that we all know and love. So that, and, and it has, it has some good ideas that it doesn't execute well on, but it has ideas, so that's why it's above Highlanders. It is, however, below Underwater Menace because it's not as hilarious as Underwater yeah, Menace. Yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't have any great quotable lines. Yeah. Yeah, it's forgettable. It will be very it will be very low. Not necessarily because it's bad, but because the second Doctor is surprisingly good. 
Yeah, right? My my top and bottom five, I think, will be a lot harder this time. Yeah. Unless it just suddenly shits the bed during this era, I don't have any of the, that are, like, really firmly, yeah, definitely bottom five. Yeah. I don't know how much more we have of this era, but, yeah, I pretty much feel the same way. Well, that's it for this episode, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want to support the podcast, the best thing you can do is give it five stars and tell your friends about it. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know, all the major podcast things. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at QuickTripDW. And if you want to follow Mac and I specifically, you can follow Mac at MacTheMeh and me at CLB underscore Clark. You can also check out Mac's YouTube channel, where also called MacTheMeh, where he does insightful videos about video games. And join us next time on a quick trip through space and time in which we get to see just how successful the Doctor is in getting to someplace warm in the Ice Warriors. (laughs) Well done. can't tell if I love or hate that about this episode. Sorry. A motorcyclist was trying to prove that his dick was bigger than everybody else's uh, just now. Um, Makes you feel better I didn't hear it. Well, that's good.